Hello, everybody. Here I'm there to talk about Anchor. It's one of the best podcast uh, platforms that you can you can uh, go on. You can put all your podcasts on Apple, Google, any place. Any place to put up your podcast, you could all do it in one place. Anchor has all the tools to allow you to record and edit your podcast right from the phone or computer. And you can distribute any of your, your podcasts on any platform like Apple, Spotify, Anchor, you know, Anchor, Stitcher, iHeart, everything. It's everything you need you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. And let me tell you, I have had great experience with Anchor. Download the Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started today. That is Anchor FM to get started today. Welcome to Cindy and Joe's show. I'm Joe. I'm Cindy. Well, listen. On the wild side. Yeah. That's us, Joe. We're wild side all over the place. My mom loves Motley Crue, so you know. I know I grew, she up, does. I grew up on the Motley Crue. You were at the Brockman's game, and uh, you jinxed them again. I get out of here. They couldn't even see me this time. Well, sort of, kind of. You were on the fourth row. What are you <laughs> talking about? <laughs> Well, and I have to admit, I did I did go down and get some footage of um, warm-ups, as I always do. You know, I get usually some pretty good uh, still photos. I get some good video. And every now and then, I even post that on Motor City Ice Queen or Between the Whistles. Yeah, I think the thing that, I think the thing that really just, I don't know, it, it, it's about the Reb, you know, the Rebels, they're, they're getting more and more behind from, you know, Boston's on a run right now. Columbus is on a run of all things. They're, I think they're 10 points out the last time I checked. Well, they, they, they need to get on the run real quick. Well, the game against the Avalanche that I was there, you know, I was hoping that uh, that would be an exciting game. It's always a good rivalry. You know, all the VIPs are there. You know, I saw, you know, Darren and, uh, and uh, Darren McCarty, as you know, all of us uh, – who watch and listen to Between the Whistles know we're, we're buddies and um, didn't get a chance to actually connect with Darren, but saw him. And um, he was, of course, not hanging out with me because he was hanging out with more important people like um, Dave Coulier and um, Jeff Daniels. Uh, so, you know, he's hanging out with actors and comedians and stuff. You know, he didn't have time for politicians. But um, it was, uh, you know, there's a lot of great people there. It was a sold-out crowd. There was a lot of energy, which was great or felt sold out. Uh, there was a lot of, uh, it was full full arena. And, um, you know, we were all looking forward to a very exciting game. I think it didn't quite deliver. It was a little disappointing. I guess the thing what made the game actually fun and interesting was the crowd that we were with that was in our section. We saw oh, there was a marriage proposal. Oh God. She those. said yes. I Congrats. I hate those. <laughs> you know, I wish I wish Then she went on to spill the poor guy's beer. He handled it very listen, well. Listen, I, I think I think if you are a, a man and you decide to uh, propose at a sporting event, I hope she says no. Because you're an idiot. Because think, 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 no, think about it. Think about it. Oh, this is, this is, you are on the first day of being engaged, right? You just propose at a sporting event. Now, you're a woman. You know what I'm about to say. Yeah. What do women always do when they get older? I can't believe that you proposed to me at a Red Wings game. I couldn't have got a nice dinner. I couldn't have got engaged with like 
a sweet like song. I couldn't have got engaged under a nice sunset. No, I got engaged with a bunch of drunk people. <laughs> well, I gotta tell you. You know what's about to happen. <laughs> Twenty years down the road, she'll be like, she but like, you remember when you proposed to me at a rebel game? You you inconsiderate asshole. What? <laughs> you're gonna be like See, it's like when you put when you when you when you deal with women, you gotta you gotta play mental gymnastics, you know? Like if I don't do if I do this, it's gonna cost me a long run. See, my grandpa taught me this. this guy. He's been married fifty years. He knows. He knows what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. He he told me one time. He goes, "I know you love sports. Don't ever think that you can get proposed at a game." And I was like, "What? What? What?" I was like twelve years old, right? So I'm not even thinking about marriage. I'm just like, okay. And he's like, he's like, because you'll never hear the end of it. I bet that guy will never hear the end of it. Well, she said yes. So we got the answer he she wanted. Yes. If he's gonna, he, he's gonna benefit now. He might have to pay later, but you know who knows? Maybe all be worth papers it. The come, don't come cheap. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it was a little disappointing. You know, I, I think that also there was something really missing from that game that, and this really had nothing to do with the outcome of the game. It had to do with the experience of the game. There should have been at least one solid fight in that game. Just for old times' sake, every time we play Colorado. Because you know why? And Darren said this, and I saw, I heard him say it too on one of his podcasts recently. But, you know, uh, Peter Forsberg hates us. Mm-hmm. Like, he hates us, right? And so, I think just for that reason alone, there really should have been a fight. Um, you know, but, you know, Gavani Smith once was not in the lineup. Nope. And obviously, you know, his brother just was claimed off waivers. And so, you know, he's gone. He was here for three games and gone. Back Tampa. Sadly. Which, I'll be honest with you, the whole way that thing went down, I think it was all, that was all pre-engineered. I think that it happened exactly the way they wanted it to happen for some business reason. But, um, I don't know. I just, I just think that was all pre-engineered. But, no, so he didn't have, I, I do, I, I, I do. It was too, it was too convenient. Um, but nonetheless, we didn't have Gavani Smith out on the ice. So, you know, that kind of sucked. I think it was a three game trial and they said, okay, see ya. Yeah, it could have been, it could have been, but, um, so that was unfortunate. Valeno was lighting up at the, uh, AHL rink, so. Yeah, but you know, again, you know, I don't think, you didn't see Valeno really stepping up in that game against the Avalanche, but you know what you did see, what you did see Obviously, uh, I was a little disappointed. You know, Lucas Raymond played well, but you know who played better, and that was my man, Mo Sider. Mo Sider, I'll tell you, poise. Why is beyond his ears? My gosh, the poise that that guy has. I mean, I remember watching him. He's coming out and always at the point, and when he should be, he was always in position. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he, he just just a beautiful. He had a, uh, uh, I think it was somewhere in the second period. He had. A puck come his way that wasn't intended to, but he found it on his stick. He just smoothly turned that thing around and, you know, made the play and or, or made a play happen. And when it was, I mean, and just did it so smoothly, just as if he expected it to be there. And you could tell that it, it wasn't part of the play. But, I mean, Cider is just, what a stud. I mean, that guy is an all-star waiting to happen. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more out of Lucas Raymond, but I got to tell you, there wasn't a part of me that was not excited every time I saw the, you know, Larks, Bertuzzi, Raymond, um, um, uh, Cider, and uh, I think that Zadina uh, was in that lineup. Yeah. Every time that line came out, just seeing those four guys together, uh, those first four, it, it made me excited that they were on the ice. But 
So uh, Mo Sider, of course, did not disappoint. That was one of the bright spots for me. The other thing that I saw, though, Joe, that a lot of people, I don't know if other people saw this watching, but I sure saw it from the fourth row there in section 112. Great seats, by the way. Uh, um, shameless plug. Sh- <laughs> well, they were, uh, no, normally that's not my section. You know, normally I sit kind of next to so the to home bench. But anyway, my point is what I'm saying is that you really saw the value of the veterans. You saw the value of Sam Gagne, just solid. You know, um, you saw the other veterans as well, uh, Stahl. You know, you saw those guys just absolutely, you saw the experience. You saw that experience play out on the ice. The other young guys, they might have been faster, but boy, they were not nearly as put together and poised with the exception of most cider. They weren't nearly as um, collected. They weren't as solid. They weren't as reliable as those veterans. You just felt the stability of that veteran presence, uh, particularly with those two. I was also would have loved to have seen uh, Ned and Net. I, I think that could have made a difference. Uh, Grice made a couple good saves. There wasn't not that he didn't, but um, I, I really think they were just bottom line. End of the day, the Abs defense was absolutely stellar. It really was. It explains why they are, where they are in the standings. Their defense was outstanding, and it made me sick. <laughs> well, I, I hate to burst your bubble. I didn't know I had a bubble going, except for most cider. <laughs> hate to burst your bubble. But I feel different from you. I don't want the veterans on this team. I think they are the insequential part of this team being not as good as they can be. I say this I say this with all reasons too. I think I think that Letty has played himself out. I think Stahl has played himself out. I think Sam Gagne has played himself out. And I think the problem with this team is they only have one good line. And maybe two good lines when you, you take Bertuzzi, you put him on a second line with Suter and everything. The reality is this team is like for everything you you want to gleam about, oh, yeah, I saw progress. I saw these leaks. You just love the older person. I'm telling <laughs> you, I'm telling you right now that the Red Wings right now are either they're a little bit stagged and they need uh, some of their younger players to take the next step because yeah, it's great that Bertuzzi, Larkin, Raymond, and uh, Cider played great, right? But to get to that championship level, that Stanley Cup level, you need to have two good lines, at least two good lines. This team don't even have a they have one good line and they have one defensive player who's good. They have leadership. Larkin has been a leader this whole year. They need they need they need talent on they need depth and they need talent. That's what they need. Well, and I'll tell you the other thing that I was disappointed. I was really disappointed in the officiating of this game. Oh, here we go again. I was absolutely disgusted with the calls that weren't made and the calls that were made. They were calling the most BS stuff against us, and they weren't calling. If you couldn't, I'll tell you what, Joe, but it happened right in front of me. I think Bertuzzi got tripped going into the ozone. They had two guys on him. He gets tripped. Stevie Wonder could have made that call. That's how obvious it was. They were the only ones on the ice. They're the only ones in the zone. 
And that, I don't know what the official was doing there. What else could he have been watching? There was nothing else to distract him. They were the only ones there. And he couldn't make that tripping call? That was incredible. That was disgusting. We had disgusting officiating in that game. That didn't help matters. I think the Wings probably would have lost it anyway because they didn't have a whole lot of pep in their step until the third period. In fact, halfway through the third period. But I'm not saying it would have saved the game. But it would have been, I mean, give me a break. I'm at least expecting the officiating to be on par with I, league standards. I, I think you're way off stance. I think the I was there, I saw it. I think the officiating was good in that game. You're yeah. nuts. You you're out you're the, out of, you're the, up to lunch. The only call I didn't like was the Rasmussen call where he got caught for tripping and he was falling. That's the only one I didn't like. What about the missed call on Bertuzzi? And you know what? Let's play the game. Oh my god, I can't even believe you're saying this. You and you know what? See here's a pro- here's the problem here's the problem with people. They want these penalties penalties. Let's just water down the game with penalties. I don't want penalties. Let's play a clean game. And if the refs are gonna call these they're not gonna call these calls, then keep it the step the same standard the whole acting game. Period. If you're not gonna keep that same standard, it's like in the Super Bowl when we've seen the Rams get magically get fifteen flags on the last drive. It's like Keep the same standard of officiating, and that's the problem with the officiating in, in sports. Is a lot of the times these these bastard refs want to want to make they want to be big, big sausage Bob, and they want <laughs> and they, they want to say I'm going to insert my dominance in here, and it's like, bro, you literally just cost someone a game. Well, that's not all right. Fine. I mean, I'm not arguing that that doesn't happen sometimes, but what I'm telling you is. I felt that there were several missed calls from the officials in that game, and that did not help the viewing experience, and it certainly didn't um, do anything for the value in terms of the integrity of the game. Um, So I was disappointed in, one, the lack of physical play, two, the officiating. So one's on the Red Wings. They, They just didn't play physical enough. You and I have talked about it numerous times. When do the Red Wings shine? When do they really find themselves kind of in the pocket and in the groove? It's when they're playing physical. You know, multiple times I saw Raz come up to the, you know, come up to the glass and he goes and puts a hit on somebody. And it was like a love tap. It was like, give me a break. Again, the guy's got to start using his size. Adam Ernie didn't, wasn't as physical as he could have been. And that by there was another BS call on Ernie. Um, that BS penalty call. That should never happen anyway. But we just didn't have the physicality that it's going to take for the Red Wings to win and what makes them really do well. It's their style of play. I'll tell you what, though. Burt came to play. Burt was playing well, um, probably a little better than I'd seen Burt play. In fact, he converted one of the people that went to the game with me. He wasn't a big Bertuzzi fan, and after watching him play against the Abs, he said, oh, I like Bertuzzi now. You know, He was a fan of his uncles but wasn't a fan of little Burt, and, and now he is. And um, I will say Burt played well. Burt's, Burt's becoming a very solid player. I'm so happy to see the success of that surgery because, you know, I was concerned about that. Yeah. And Bert is proving over and over again that he has eclipsed he's one that of the best, challenge. He's one of the best players in the, in the, in the team. Oh, yeah. The, and Bert's a solid the, the, guy. The problem is they don't have enough of these guys. They don't have enough of these guys. They have a bunch, they have a bunch of guys that, that they wouldn't even make the roster of the Lightning. They wouldn't make the roster of uh, uh, the Carolina Hurricanes. They wouldn't make the roster of the Colorado Avalanche. The, rea- the reality of the situation is that Colorado game showed you how just mismatched the Red Wings are. They are not as good as the Colorado Avalanche. 
They're not even close to being as good as the Colorado Avalanche. When you have Nazim Kadri on your third line, you're talking about a guy who is, well, he goes up the second line too, but when you're talking about a guy like Kadri on your third line or Tyson Jost on your third line, that's like an abundance of uh, freaking players and talent. I mean, for God's sakes, Corey Perry, who is one of the best goal scorers in the last decade, is playing on the fourth line of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Well, again, well, and we talked about this. Depth has always been, you know, that's a challenge for rebuilding teams because, you know, they got to build that depth. And it looked like, you know, it wasn't about a month ago, it looked like the Red Wings were heading in the right direction. I, Their lines you, were coming along. I have been telling you for the whole year, they are a one-line team and one guy on defense. That's all they are right now. That is, I think, where they struggle is absolutely no. in the D. There's no thank question. God, thank God CBY didn't give Philip Ronick this big deal because he has been awful. You know, I thought the, of that when Danny I was De, watching Danny, Danny DeKaiser, as much as I like him, he hasn't been good. Mark Stahl, he's, he's got concrete pillars as legs. And Nick Gladdy, I don't know what the hell has happened to him. He's he's not playing the same that he played in New York. It's just it's sad to see. But, you know, you look at the forwards, and you look at the forwards, and you go, okay, Fabry, did he step up? No. Did Suter step up? Suter's been playing pretty good. But Suter's playing well, but he didn't but, play well against he, the Avalanche. But he's a third-line center on a good team. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a second-line center for the Detroit Red Wings. You look at Zadina, as great as I think he's going to become, because I think he's going to, I think he's really going to start to mature. Get, he's starting to feel it out, especially playing with Larkin and Raymond. But I, I think he's still too erratic. But that's my point. I think he'll get there. But I mean, you look at this team and you go, who, who, which one of these guys can you for sure pencil in as a guy who will be here when the Revenants are contending for a Stanley Cup championship? Cider, Raymond, Raymond. Larkin, Bertuzzi. Bertuzzi. That's four guys. I mean, that's four guys. Maybe you could say Nadalkovich. Maybe. Because I'd say Nadalkovich, yeah. Because sometimes he lets in these, these bad goals. Uh, I mean, obviously, Grace won't be here. Uh, Nick Letty won't be here. This team is far away from what they potentially could become. You know, I, everyone likes to chastise the Blashell and Jeff Blashell and it's become like the whole, oh, let's see, you know, it's Blashell's fault. It's Blashell's fault. What? What? With what talent? They are a one-line team, and they play in the Eastern Conference, where, and they play in the they play in the Atlantic Division, which has the Maple Leafs, the Bruins, the Lightning, and the Florida Panthers. Well, you know, you made this point last show, and I took a little bit of a deeper dive into it, and I have to say, I, I said to myself, and I think I said it out loud, Joe's right. This is such a tough, tough division. I mean, you even look at the points in the other division. And uh, if the Red Wings were in any other division, I don't want to say they'd be contenders for the playoffs. But they they would be up there. That's right. They'd be be within striking distance of a playoff spot if they were in another division. This is one hell of a division to play in. No one thought the Florida Panthers would be as good as they are right now. Yeah. Everyone thought the Lightning would be as good as they are right now. The Canadians, they fell off with the Leafs. They're playing pretty well. Uh, the uh, well, that's Bruins. a surprise, isn't it? Which actually, which brings into the conversation: the Wings are going to be playing the Toronto Maple Leafs, and you said they beat the Leafs. I said they'd fall to the Leafs. What are you thinking now? I think they beat the Leafs because the Leafs have not played good hockey lately. And I mean, 
they have played pretty brutal hockey lately. I mean, they they have not played their quote-unquote Maple Leafs game. But, you know, the problem with Maple Leafs is, we talked about this in the baseball segment, they're, they are so analytically driven that they're killing their hockey team. Yeah, and you've said that before, too, which I always find ironic because you're the guy who's sitting here patent pending on an, on player analytical analytics models, and um, I find it interesting that you're critical of teams that are so heavily analytically driven. Um, yeah, because here's the, here's the issue. You, you cannot discount the eye for your talent, right? When you watch the, the Maple Leafs, the one thing you see is they lack physicality, they lack defensive talent, and they lack goaltending. What wins you games in the NHL in the playoffs? Goaltending, defense, and physicality. Offense comes at a, at a premium in the playoffs. I mean, you have to be you, – your defense creates your offense. That's why I think the Brevins are in a little bit better of a spot because I think in the future they're going to have some really, really good players. But – Look, the Maple Leafs, their window is closing. Like, it's truly, like, it's going to be closing because they can't pay some of these players. Play, John Tavares is going to get older. Uh, they're going to have no defense. They're going to, they're goaltending. They have had the hodgepodge. They couldn't afford to pay Frederick Anderson. He's in Cal- Carolina right now and playing really, really well. I bet they wish they had him. But they have Peter Morezek and, and, and Jack Campbell. Um, that's not something that you go... Hooray for upgrades. No. Because analytics and hockey favors offense. It always has. So so given that the Detroit Red Wings are a little less reliant on analytics, not that they don't use the way, them, but the lesser, way, lesser. The, so the, what do you think what do you think Stevie's gonna do then? What do you think's his next step to getting this team closer to being in playoff contention? The way Stevie next the way Stevie has approached everything has been against the analytical models. But in Tampa Bay, he used a little bit of analytics, but he uses he uses brain too. You know, he uses hockey brain. Instinct. He didn't use he didn't use all analytics, but he used his hockey brain. When he looks at this Rebels team, he knows Stevie Y knows I need a center, I need a second line center, I need that really really bad. Because then you can move Suter down to the third line, and then you can put Rasmussen on the wing, and you can put Valeno on the fourth line, where he's kind of. Becoming a better player. I got to tell you, I think, I know that you like Rasmussen. I know Stevie likes Rasmussen, but I am still not on board with Rasmussen. I'm really not. And you know what? I was at the game, the first game he played, and his mom and dad were there, and they were wearing the jerseys, and they were so proud of him. And it was, you know, it was it was all about Ras that I'll day. tell you why I like Rasmussen. I have not seen him develop I, the way I, I think tell, he needs to. I, I think Rasmussen's turned the corner. I think, uh, you know, when Holland drafted, when Ken Holland drafted uh, Michael Rasmussen, he, he was a project. He was literally a project. They, he needed to, the, the, he needed to gain the speed of the NHL. He didn't have the speed of the NHL players, but he's he became he would become like a good second line. I think he's a never-ending project. What do you call my projects? Reclamation projects. These are not the same. Well, I'm just telling those, you. Those those projects are like taking. Uh, those, those guys are like taking uh, the projects you're talking about, your reclamation projects, is like taking the Arizona Coyotes and making them a Stanley Cup championship. Well, maybe the reclamation projects, uh, I, I think, you know, Valeno, Vale I, I, I'll tell you what, I have 
three players that I have not seen come along the way I had hoped. And if they don't, I give them one more season. And quite frankly, I wouldn't give them that. I'd give them to the end of this season. I think Stevie's going to have to make some decisions. Sadina, Valeno, and Rasmussen. Okay, those were supposed, those guys should have been up to uh, a much higher level than they are right now. And I think they're creating huge holes in the roster. I think you're right. We need a second line center. I think that's got to be one of Stevie's priorities. And then I think he's got to find himself a reliable D-man. Mm-hmm. He's got to find a D-man who he can build a defense around. I mean, he's got Mo Sider, but like poor Sider's kind of hanging out there on his own. I mean, he's being limped, uh, you know, or he's, I feel as if, you know, he's, uh, you know, they pair him up with DeKaiser. They pair him up with another veteran. But Mo Sider's the strong one in that pairing. I mean, no matter what they do. So it's not like he's got a mentor. It's more like he's got a, um, you know, a, not even a crutch. I mean, I think he's got a ball and chain with some of these guys. They're hooking up to this guy. He needs somebody who can really help elevate his game even more than what it is because he's got so much potential. Maybe Simon Edmondson's going to be that guy, you know, a brand new kid coming yeah. in, and maybe they're going to become like a dynamic duo. I don't know. But I'll tell you what. Since we're talking about mentorship, here's something else I saw on the ice, and I saw it at least three times. I can tell you this. Part of the program, Dylan Larkin is absolutely 100% mentoring Lucas Raymond. Oh, yeah. Every time when, you know, Lucas Raymond, you know, uh, Raymond missed, he made a, uh, he mishandled the puck, and immediately, I, you know, they were going to the bench, and you saw Larks come over, tap him on the shin, and say, hey, it's going to be okay. You know, kind of like telling him it's because you could tell he was frustrated. So you saw him. I there were three instances in that game where I saw Dylan Larkin either praise Raymond or encourage him after after a mishandled play. There's no doubt that they have that they have some chemistry there. In that, I don't think that's going to be a long term. I, I really don't think it's chemistry. I think what you have saw in the last year is Dylan Larkin become the ultimate team leader. Like. Stevie Y wanted wants him to be, but I didn't see him doing that with anybody else. He particularly well has taken Lucas Raymond. Let me, let me under give his you an example. Stevie, Stevie Y one time did the same thing to a certain number ninety one, Sergey Fedorov. Mm-hmm. S- Sergey missed the, he missed the breakaway. I, I think it was on Grant Fuhrer or whatever. Misses the breakaway and he's he's up, he's visibly visibly upset. And Stevie Y comes off the bench because he wasn't playing on his line at the time. He goes, it's okay. Get him in the next time. The next time, Fedorov came out, scored a goal, breakaway, and tore Grant Fuhrer's ass in, in a in a right. Well, and that's great. And so I see, I see Larkin, you know, Larkin's being that for 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 Raymond. But who do we have who's being that person for Mo Sider? It, it's not Mark Stahl. No. It, it's it's not it, it's not. You know, Sam Gagne, it's not Danny DeKaiser. I'm going to say this. It I'm, sure as hell isn't Phil Bronick. I'm, I'm going to say this with all, um, this might be the hottest take I've ever had. Oh, boy. I don't think Moritz Sider needs a lead guy who shows him the way. Because I think Moritz Sider is so far along. I think he's smarter than half the guys he plays with. I mean, I think every, I think he's smarter than every player that he, that, on that revenue defense. I think he's the smartest player I mean, okay, I think when you look at smart players, right, and you go, okay, Victor Hedman, right, defenseman. Uh, you go you go, Charlie McAvoy, he's a defenseman. You know, when, have, when has any of them shown the, the potential and actually show what they're going to be going down the line? 
what he's done in in year one. I mean, this should scare people because this guy could be potentially an all-time great. Well, you got to say he's got something going on. When Nick Lindstrom says he's better than I was he, at that age. Here's 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 the issue with Cider. He doesn't really have an issue, but here's the issue with Cider. He just needs to keep getting better. And if he gets better, this guy is an effing limit with this kid because he's so smart in the way he plays the game. He does remind you of Nicholas Richardson. He does the, the the little plays that he makes. Like Nick, Nicholas Richardson made, he made most of his money off using the Joe Lewis backboards, the, the boards because they used to have a big balance center, mm-hmm. and he would shoot the puck, and it come back out in time of to score the goal. Like, that's what he would do when he didn't have, like, a big, you know, he didn't have a lane to shoot in. And that, in Cider, you're seeing the same thing. Like, with that goal with uh, with uh, Zadina, he didn't shoot that to shoot it. That was, not a, that was not a shot to score. That was a shot to get a rebound. That's all it was. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's an elite level play. Like, that is, when you talk about smart... Talking about, you know, when Dylan Larkin made that play to Bertuzzi where he flipped the puck up uh, and it hit the glass and it bounced right to Bertuzzi on a breakaway. Those are plays that you don't see from regular players. Those they're are, like trick shots in pool. You yeah, know what they're, I mean? That's, you, was Sider doing it this early? The sky's the limit for that kid. Here's where I think the danger lies with no Sider. I think... Number one, I said I I think we risk him getting bored and and frustrated and restless if this team does not come along and get up to his level and fast. So I think that Stevie needs to bring on. A, I don't think that's going to happen. But Stevie needs to bring on a D man who they can pair him with that's going to keep him engaged and excited to stay with this organization, um, and to continue that will allow him to continue to develop uh, you know his already outstanding talent. I think that's where the potential fear is with Mo Sider. Um, and I don't want to see his progress get delayed or retarded in any way because he doesn't have someone to play with him uh, that is going to, to bring that out. I think that's I think that's. I think if you're Sider. looking for a defenseman that, for the, the revenues to bring in next year, I think a guy like uh, John Klingberg would be good. A Josh Man- uh, Josh Manson, maybe even like a Will Butcher or a Ben Sherratt. I think they can really play to that level of what you know Snyder has. But I think Simon Edmondson could be that guy too. Well, you know, then you're going to have a couple of very young guys, but both played in the Swedish league. So I mean, they're going to have that in common. Um, you know, but I I think that they're still. I'm a huge advocate of having at least some veteran presence, one on at least one on office, one on defense that you can rely on when things get challenging. And the one thing that challenges younger players, and this doesn't doesn't this is regardless of their talent. Now, and I'll give you this: Cider is about as poised as a young player as I've ever seen in my three four years of intensely watching this game, but. Young people in general tend to be impatient and they tend to get very distracted by the, the, you know, stress of the day. So there's going to be times when it, you know, we haven't seen Mo Sider put in a pressure situation yet. We haven't seen him. He hasn't been in a playoff environment yet. 
obviously. So my concern is that if you get this team up to the point where you've got Mo Sider who can perform in a, a higher stakes environment, I really do think that a veteran presence will be beneficial for him to have when he finds himself at that higher level of play and should something not go according to plan. I, I just, I, I, I think, you know, it's one thing It's interesting. I compare it to like politics, right? You like to talk about I'm a politician and it's true. And, and people listen to the show, you know, they know that, that, you know, I've, I've been very involved for a long time and I'd say I'm pretty accomplished in, in, you know, my particular trade, but you know, I, I mentored and I worked with, elected officials for a lot of years. Yeah, but I thought I knew how to be one. But I'll tell you this, after I don't, 10 I don't, years I, don't, I get there and and it's different. I don't think there's it's a, still different. I don't think there's a guy that's coming in and teaching Mosite or anything. I disagree with you. I I, think I, I, I I don't. No, because the plays that he's making right now they're they're 90 they're 95% of the NHL cannot make. I'm not doubting his performance. You know, I've been a huge fan the, the, and advocate the, the, of Mo Siders since saying, before he even got you, you here. Are saying, you are saying, this is what you're saying, that he needs guidance. In an untested environment that he hasn't been in before, like the playoffs. When you get to the playoffs, yeah, that'll be untested waters, but I'm sure that they'll make an acquisition at the trade deadline when they know that they're in contention for something. And that's when I think there needs to be a veteran presence. That's my point. Obviously, you're gonna have veteran presence because Eisman wants it, but you're not. You're not. You're, well, no. you're talking about getting rid of all the defensive veterans. You're talking about getting rid of Kaiser, getting rid of Stahl. Stahl's not good. Letty's not good. You know what? If you want a defensive guy who is is, uh... give me a veteran defenseman that we can put up with Mo Sider, in who is tested in a playoff environment. The problem is here's the issue. If you get a good defenseman who is older, you you have to be a, a contending team because they want to play with a contender. But if you want a guy like that, there's there's guys like uh, Golagowski, There's uh, uh, there's uh, you know there's Ian Cole. There's PK Subban, Chris Letang. Well, that's Giordano. I mean, come on, Letang and Subban are a couple of my favorites. What do you think? Do you think do you think Stevie makes a play at the trade deadline? For either a second line center or a defenseman, yes or no? No, he does that in NHL draft. All right. And I think that's what he does, and I think that's what it's going to be. What do you think the Red Wings are going to do here? They've got uh, they've got halfway through this kind of challenging schedule. They got a couple more teams coming up. I know you think they're going to take, uh, or you think they're going to take Toronto. I think they're going to lose to Toronto. Uh, yeah, I love them, but I think they're going to lose to Toronto. If they don't get the Toronto game, it's over. So you're saying that the Toronto game next tomorrow is a pivotal game? Yeah, because you got to play Carolina next week. You go to play Carolina, then you play the two Florida teams. Yeah, that's going to be. And hell. then you go on a West Coast trip where you go to Calgary, which they're white hot. You go to play Edmonton. They're they're turning the corner, and then you go play Vancouver, and then you have games against the Bruins and the Lightning and the. You this it, it you have to. You have They're gonna to. come back whipped little puppies from that road trip. Let me tell I mean, you, you gotta, that is tough. You got to think about it. Like the Red Wings' schedule is not in their favor at all. I mean, when you go to when you play Carolina, Florida, and Tampa, you're playing the, the three best teams in the league. So, are you saying then that their performance against the Maple Leafs on Saturday 
is going to set up their mindset for the road trip ahead. I th- I think I think this I think this Toronto game these next two home games if they don't win one or both of them Stevie's selling parts at the de- the trade deadline. Oh, so I see. So what you're saying is that these two game that this game is pivotal in determining what Stevie's going to do. Yeah, because you're you're at okay. you're, you're at a port you're at a port. Yeah, I had to understand that because yeah, you weren't you weren't really putting it all together. You're, you're at a portion where so you go you play you play Toronto tomorrow, you play Carolina, Tampa, Florida on the road. You come back, you play the hopeless, hapless Arizona Coyotes, <laughs> which that should be a win. They are now you got you gotta say Whenever you think that our the Red Wings no, are the, bad the, shape, the, the you got to look at that club. The, the, oh my the god! The Coyotes are—they're a joke. Yeah, you, after the Coyotes, you play a great freaking team in Minnesota. Then you go to Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver. Then you play the Seattle Kraken and give up more goals than the, some of these hookers in eight mile would blow. <laughs> then you go. Then you go play the. You, you play Philly, the Islanders. Tampa Bay again, Pittsburgh, New York, and then you know you play Ottawa a couple of times. They're fighting for a playoff spot. Winnipeg, Tampa Bay, lot, Toronto. Yeah, it's brutal. It's gonna be it's gonna be a brutal. Uh, this division doesn't make it easy. And yeah. The fact that the the rubbings are not even close in talent wise that brings up another issue. So we're gonna see now if Joe is right. If the Toronto game makes the difference as to whether Stevie yeah. gets active at the trade deadline. Toronto deadline-wise. or Carolina. Oh, Toronto or Carolina. But they have, the, they have to win one or both. They can't and they, have, they can't show their ass on one of these games. So what you're saying is that if they lose both, Stevie's going to be active at the trade deadline. If they win one or the other, Stevie won't be active at the trade no, line? if, if deadline? The, if they lose both of them, yeah. he's selling pieces off at the deadline. Okay. If not, he's going to see what happens when they go on that road trip, and then that's when they're going to make the thing. All right. You guys heard it here first, that what Joe has anticipated. The next segment, we'll be talking about Michigan State sports and the joke that they became. We will be talking about that next.